stranger sees a wheelchair and they they pity me and they oh you poor thing oh that's terrible and no not at all um I don't want to speak for everybody but a lot of people um with disabilities they love their chairs because they're sources of freedom and Mm. um all, all sorts of things like that so that's become a lot of my work these days Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together let's find your unique balance. All right, Balancers, today we are joined by an author, business consultant and media professional committed to improving the representation of disability in mainstream popular culture and who has been at the forefront leading conversations around the importance of representation and inclusion. A big welcome to Lisa Cox. Welcome to the Balance Theory Podcast. I am honoured to have you on the show today. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. No, I'm really, really excited to to chat, to get to know you. And just so our listeners, in case they're not already following you, and I'm going to put links to all your socials in the show notes below, can you share just a little bit about who you are and what it is that you're currently doing? Yeah, sure. So I'm a media professional based in Brisbane in Australia, and I work with brands and businesses who essentially want to be more diverse and inclusive of things like disability, but don't really know how to do that so I help them navigate the nuances of of representation um, and it is quite a quite a tricky thing to do because I wasn't always in a wheelchair and didn't always have disabilities and I was once that person going ah how do I do it how do I not be offensive and walking around on eggshells going ah so I know what it feels like and I know how uncomfortable it can be. So when I see business leaders looking at me with terror, I think, okay, I'll I'll help you with that. So I work <laughs> with some really, really awesome people. We work don't work with myself, don't do this by myself. It's it's with teams. Collaborate with some really, really awesome people who um help guide these brands and businesses through the the tricky conversations and all of the all of the to do's and not to do's and um, always of course collaborating with people with with disabilities and lived experiences along the way yeah awesome and I think that's such an incredible um, place to come from because I, I agree like having my own business sometimes you feel like you're not sure how to show up in an, in an authentic way and and as well you you kind of see a lot of things happening in the space I mean I know it's definitely not at the place where it should be. I think it is sort of starting to turn around a little bit, but sometimes you see things and you think, well, that feels a little bit disingenuous. It feels a little bit inauthentic. Yeah. So I think to have um, someone like yourself that we could turn to for, for advice to kind of soundboard and, and get those get that inside information on how to actually show up authentically and, and make an impact, I suppose, at the whole point of, of um, you know, opening up and in, embracing diversity is to do it in an authentic way so I really appreciate that you're involved in that space but I think everybody's probably curious as well and I mean I know your story uh, very well I would love for you to I guess share that turning moment for you at 24 I know you said you weren't always in a wheelchair and so talk us through that moment at 24 and, and how your life changed yeah sure so 
Um, I, yeah, was was 24 and had been through the uh, the the traditional fairly traditional path, university, working in, in corporate media advertising agencies in Australia here and was at the airport one morning just flying home to see family and I had a brain hemorrhage like a stroke. Found out later that was caused by a, a streptococcus A infection. Um, that's beside the point, but I spent the next three weeks in a coma, two months on life support and over a year in hospital after that. So um, after my brain hemorrhage, I lost one leg, all my toes and nine of my fingertips. I don't know if your viewers can see them there, but I've still got one here, my left thumb. Um, had heart surgery twice, a total hip replacement, and then came back into in the hospital more times after that for more upkeep and more surgery. So I've got a lot of scars and missing pieces and... Um, under under all of the jumpers and, and woolen winter clothes, there are there are heaps of heaps of scars and things like that. But the most impactful disabilities that I have are actually the ones that you can't see. They're all of the the scars on my brain from my um, my permanent brain damage, and that has affected my voice. It's also made me over twenty five percent blind. I have chronic fatigue and epilepsy, peripheral neuropathy, which is a fancy term for pins and needles and chronic pain um, in my foot 24-7. And a few other, a few other conditions um, and all sorts of fun things like um, anxiety and PTSD that have been clinically diagnosed. And also a really bad memory, so I can't remember the other things, but um, insomnia and things like that, that are far, when I say worse, but you can see my wheelchair, you can see my prosthetic leg, but they're actually not my my biggest challenges. It's it's the mm. fact that talking to you now, because it's late afternoon for me with our time zones, is taking a ridiculous amount of brain power to just stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so if you need to tap out for a nap, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> that that for me is is a bigger challenge than my wheelchair. I love my wheelchair; it gets me around the world. So, um, but when I'm going through a shopping centre, a stranger or this a stranger sees a wheelchair and they they pity me and they oh you poor thing oh that's terrible and no not at all. Um, I don't want to speak for everybody, but a lot of people. Um, with disabilities, they love their chairs because they're sources of freedom and mm. um, all, all sorts of things like that. So that's become a lot of my work these days is changing this narrative about the stereotypes around disabilities and the media puts these messages out there, these these incorrect messages about what disability is and what people with disabilities are capable of so sorry I've, I've answered your very short question in a very long no, no, that's fine. way <laughs> <laughs> no no that's absolutely fine and, and I really appreciate you getting granular and, and I guess opening up about not only you know the physical things people can see but what you actually feel and what it actually means to you on a deeper level um, I really appreciate you opening up about that I, I did want to ask you so at, at 24 I know you went through obviously you're saying the life support and then you were in and out of surgeries the um I, I suppose the level at where you are today was that where you were immediately after you had hey. the stroke or, so can you walk me through I guess because I know you explain it as you kind of had to start from scratch 
So can you talk to me through, sorry, talk me through that process of kind of waking up, realizing where you were at and the, and the process of getting to where you are today? Like what, how did that sure. feel if you can, I guess, condense all that time into, you know, an explanation for us all today? Sure, sure. So it's absolutely nothing like what it is now. So these days for your audience, I'm, um, I live with my hus- husband. I'm, I can't drive and I don't walk, but I'm 100% independent um, relatively. Uh, I don't get the remote from underneath the couch or all those sorts of things. But apart from that, I'm independent. And um, But in the very, very beginning when I came out of the coma, all I, could, I couldn't move my arms and my legs. All I could do was blink my eyes and rotate my head on the bed. I couldn't really couldn't do much of anything I couldn't feed myself I couldn't hold a cup of water I had to learning to dress myself and tie my own shoelaces again feed myself had to learn it all from scratch those of you who have been parents will know all the toddlers first milestones I was doing all of those things again at the age of 24 then some of them at 25 and um, so that was yeah, quite an, quite an experience, yeah. and even learning to put my hair in, in a ponytail again for the first time, and with with yeah, my new I hands, imagine. I suppose all of all of those first first things, um, and even even as recently as a few years ago or a few a few weeks ago, I, I, I'm still learning new or relearning new things again that I couldn't do a few weeks ago or a few years ago, so. Um, it it has been quite a process, and then then there was the emotional process. So it wasn't just the physical yeah, doing things, um, but the realization and the acceptance that holy shit, this is going to be my life forever. And to be completely honest, I got really really depressed because all I had was this head full of stereotypes that disability meant one thing, and mm. it it wasn't great and. Life, life wasn't going to be great as far as I knew. And um, so I found out my, my leg was going to be amputated. Apparently, they had told me weeks beforehand, but because of my brain injury and my memory, I cried and cried and cried and cried, woke up the next morning, zero memory of it. So they mm. went, let's not tell Lisa again and make it like Groundhog Day where she just keeps forgetting so they they waited until my my brain was healing um and now it's it's much better than it used to be my memory is not that bad um and I do remember things and uh I did remember this time and um I I still got very 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 upset Uh, but my again my only um my only thought of of disability and amputees was these Images of what I saw in the media of people in hospital gowns looking really sad in wheelchairs. And that, that was all I knew, apart mm. from um, people in the Paralympics. They were really, really great people, by the way. But I didn't want to be a Paralympian. I've got really weak arms. Didn't want to be a Paralympian. So I thought, well, my only other option is to be a really sad person in a hospital gown for the rest of my life. Shit. There's, there's no in-between. Um, I didn't yeah. know that this there was this awesome in-between. Um, I'd I, I certainly seen it, but I didn't know a lot about it. 
um, I had a lot to a lot to learn, obviously. But um, yeah, so it was a, a lot of learning and and getting out and um, rediscovering my my work. Um, work yeah. was always a, a big a big part of my my identity. I loved my previous job so getting getting back into work and that was another huge challenge I know the the first the first job I went for um the guy came in I showed him my my resume essentially and had exactly the same qualifications and degrees on it that I'd I'd previously got all my work through he looked at me looked at my wheelchair and went basically all you're capable of is stacking stacking grocery shelves essentially and that was that was really disheartening and so um I got another job and they they looked at me and just put me in the corner and made me put um things in envelopes and Mm -hmm. that that again was really disheartening and a, a few more times this pattern kept repeating itself where I was constantly underestimated working in marketing departments where I said, well, I've, I've got all of these marketing skills. I've been working in corporate advertising for years. I've got two degrees. I'm, my brain, it's injured. I get fatigued. It's, it's not missing. It's, it's not an intellectual disability. There's, there's nothing like that. It's, I'm quite capable of doing these things, but I was mm-hmm. constantly being underestimated. But still, I was um, facing challenge after challenge. So, I just went, well, screw it, I'll start my own business and do it my own way. So that's what I did and that's what I've been doing ever since. And now I have a number of people working for me and I'm loving it. Good for you. I I feel so proud for your your journey and your resilience to, to go through something like that. And I can't even begin to imagine the uh you know, that moment where you say you you've you went into almost like a depression thinking what your life would be. And and I'm really glad you kind of brought up that you didn't have that opinion kind of before 24. And I, I always actually had that as something down to, to chat to you about, because I think it's interesting. It's not something you were born with. So before 24, potentially like diversity and, and inclusion of um, people with disabilities is not something that probably crossed your mind or you never stopped to think about, well, what's your um, I guess, what's do you fall into that stereotype where you just assume that someone's a Paralympian or they're sad? You know, there's kind of no in-between. And so then you navigating that journey and finding your happy in-between has almost inspired the work you're doing today and, and kind of you come from such an authentic place because you've found that middle ground, which I think is just incredible. And and um, I really admire the work you're doing. And I just think it's so interesting. You've kind of come full circle from not really having considered at all to, to really redefining what that means for you in your life. So I think that's incredible. And I'm really curious uh, that, you know, that I just keep thinking about that moment you shared where you woke up and you realize, okay, I have to now accept that my life is going to be different. Right. And, and in an essence, you're starting from scratch. And I just wanted to ask you, did the doctors tell you that that's sort of how, life was going to be or that, you know, you were going to recoup some of those motor skills and and the brain would heal over time? Or is that something you through your own perseverance kind of ended up getting to? Like, I guess what I'm asking is, did you exceed what they told you you were capable of? Or were you kind of boxed in and and told this is kind of just going to be it? Well, I I do know that in the very beginning, when I was in the coma, they told my family who were all there at 
at my bedside that I mean they tell from from what I know anyway they tell all families whose loved one is in a coma that we don't know what he or she is going to be like when they come out of the coma it's sort of a guessing game because Mm. the brains are you know mysterious thing and everyone comes out of coma differently and their exact words were she could be a vegetable their words not mine um and so when when I came out I obviously came out with with scarring on my brain that causes the fatigue and my voice to um to be to be a bit different and my vision loss and things like that um and my epilepsy um and from then at at first I I wasn't I wasn't quite sure what what it was all about but it's just it's just been a case of of me me navigating that by myself um and learning learning as I went along and I guess everybody's everybody's so different there's no there's no sort of textbook as to this is this is what you must do and this is how you must navigate it because I had so much so much else going on um I I certainly don't want to speak for every every stroke survivor or everyone with a brain injury um because everyone everyone chooses to handle it differently and every single case is is so unique because if it had been one millimeter to the left or right it could have it could have changed things very differently i mean i i've often said that i'm quote unquote grateful that my brain hemorrhage was on this side of my brain and on this side because because of exactly where it was it means that i still have my language skills um in my in my head, um, I can I can still write. Um, mm. I still have that ability to, you know, create sentences and paragraphs. And had that been taken away from me, I as a as a writer, I'd I really really be depressed. I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. Um, my my creativity and all all of those things that were just so intrinsically me. Um, I mean, I'm I'm still terrible at math. I was was, and I still am. So that <laughs> that hasn't changed. <laughs> but um, that's that part of me is is still there, and and things things which have always were always me asked are still me. That 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 certainly hasn't changed because of exactly where my my brain hemorrhaged. Yeah, and what a gift your your writing and speaking skills are to the world. So I think it's something for us all to to be super grateful for as well. And I think when you talk about your journey, one thing that I would love to know, I suppose, as well is did you adopt any mindset tools, like maybe not actively at the time, so maybe you weren't sitting there going, I'm going to, you know, do this for my mindset or this for my mindset, but in hindsight, looking back, do you feel like there was anything that really helped you, I guess, stay focus to your recovery or to just be really resilient because I'm just getting waves of resilience from you and it's beautiful and I guess I just want to know if if there's anything you can now critically looking back could observe and be like yep that was something I did because I feel like for anybody listening and and I encourage all the listeners like I suppose to feel like uh, sorry to think about either a past situation or maybe something current where they feel really stuck in the unknown they're apprehensive about what a certain challenge looks like and means to them. Um, and, of course, everybody's challenges and, and, and levels of difficulties 
going to be very individualized and it's not to compare situations. I think when we just talk about mindset and overcoming challenges, it's really interesting to, to get that insight from someone like yourself who's gone through incredible resilience. So I'll hand it over to you, but I'm really curious to know if there was anything you can look back at now, proactively say you were doing. It's, it's funny because I was only, only writing something about that this morning. My, um, yeah, my whole, um, take on sort of the, the whole self-help, whatever you want to call it, resilience, mm-hmm. self-healthy world. I grew up on Oprah. I had affirmations on every inch of my walls, or Anthony Robbins, everything. <laughs> that <laughs> A child of the 80s and the 90s. And so pre-disability, I had a head, head full of that. And then after sort of when I got my head back after um, sort of my brain injury got a little bit better and I was like, right, all I have to do, it's it's just mind over matter. Um, it's not quite how brain injury works as I, <laughs> as I soon learned. Um, and I was – so, and that's why I want to be really careful what I say here. And what I, when I'm really the thing I was writing about um, was was exactly this that I have this sort of love hate relationship with the the um, the positive quotes and just believe mm. in yourself. And because yes, that's absolutely a hundred percent true. But how do you just believe in yourself when you're in? entire body has failed and every single cell in your body has died and it's not quite that easy and it's, it's I, I can't always take it literally and I don't want to be a killjoy because there's absolutely a place for all of that positivity and I, I don't ever want to put any listener off off that that sort of stuff so this this mm. sort of fine 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 balance um yes. No, I hear you. I absolutely hear you because I feel like um, I agree. There's absolutely a place for those positive affirmations and positivity in general. But I think when it breaches to a point where you actually don't have space to address the quote negative or quote just other feelings in your life, it can become quite toxic because you're forcing yourself into this position of, you know, I need to be um, you know, positive and radiating all the time. And sometimes oh. we just feel like shit. And sometimes we just exactly. have shit days and shit moments. And I personally feel like, um, and I guess what I'm hearing from you as well is sometimes you just need to take a moment to address those feelings, let them process, let them funnel through you exactly. so that you can get back on the path of positivity, you know. And so I think, um, and, and it's really interesting we're having this conversation because balance or life balance means something different to every single person. And that's why I started this podcast because I was on a mission to share what everyone's, you know, take on balance is. And, and kind of this conversation leans really nicely into what balance means to me. And that's simply, you know, if you look at balance as like this linear state of equilibrium, right, that we're all striving for in life, you'll have those days where you're on a high and you're having such a great time and you're feeling great about your body and your self-love is at, you know, it's peaking, you're just having a great time. Then you'll have a day where you don't feel that great about yourself. Some limiting beliefs are coming in. You're, you know, struggling with a really tough realization in your life. And so balance for me is the dance between those low moments and the high moments. But it's not to say, because I, I never want to promote a definition of balance that ignores that those days are part of your reality. It's a part of yeah. life. 
And and if you actually didn't have those low moments, you'd have no reference point to be like, well, I'm actually having a really good day now. So everything has its place. Um, and and I guess from what you're saying, it's almost like, yep, yeah, use those positive affirmations and lean into them when you need to because they're excellent and they, you know, there's so much research on on the power that they have. But I think it's also balancing that with letting yourself process when things are not great as well. And it's okay oh, when things definitely. are not great. And sometimes it's things so just okay. take time. Yeah, mm. it's it's yeah. so okay to have an absolutely rubbish day. I know I've talked a lot about disability, but some days I will just have a completely non-disability day and my day will just be client deadlines and having a bad hair day and all the other non-disabled <laughs> things and my coffee's too cold or something like that that has <laughs> you know nothing to do with disability and all the all the things that used to happen before the wheelchair came along and that, that you know my first world problems as they call them but um <laughs> yeah I, I sometimes when it comes to you know positive toxic positivity and those sorts of things mm. just think yourself positive and positive vibes only and all those hashtags on Instagram that's when it really goes me the shits that you know mm. you just have to think yourself positive and it's 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 not yes, that simple. You, it, it's not that simple. Sometimes it is. You you do have to just think happy thoughts. And yeah, I I don't want to overrate the um or underrate sorry the um you know positive mindsets and those mm. the power of positive mindset and those sorts of things. But geez, I love medication too. <laughs> <laughs> medication and therapy is awesome as well. So yes, <laughs> as I've as I've said in previous podcasts, I'm I'm all for integrative health. In yes. that, yes, I I am all for my specialists and my medication, but I'm all for sleep and lifestyle intervention too. So the two marry really, really well for me, and that's just me. So do what works for you, not what some yeah. influencer says on Instagram. For heaven's sakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, and and that's exactly why I love interviewing people like yourself. Everyone just has such a different take, and and really, all we're trying to do here is arm people with an array of tools and tips that they can try themselves. So, you know, sometimes just a small, I feel like whenever I listen to a podcast, I'll just have one or two things that someone says, and that just changes like my whole perspective, or it gives me such a new lens to look out on life. So that's all we're trying to do here. We're not trying to say, you know, this is a blueprint. This is how you do it. These are, I suppose, just our thoughts on what balance means for us, how to approach challenges that that we've had. Ah, and, And hopefully, you know, everyone can take something I suppose from that. Um, balance is bullshit. <laughs> balance is, um, yeah. I think I think it's just I think we've we've pushed it into a corner where it it's idolized and it has to be this perfect thing. But but yeah, balance okay. doesn't mean your life is perfect. Balance, I think, to me means you're living a life that feels fulfilling to you, and you know how yeah. to navigate those highs highs and lows. I suppose yeah. so. Do it your way. Exactly. It, it's um, our, our intro is you know, own and define your own definition of balance. And that's what it's about. It's not about striving for work-life balance. It's, you know, here are the areas of your life and what does balance mean for you? My work-life balance is different every day because of my energy levels and my fatigue and everything. My balance would be so not somebody else's idea of balance six months ago because of, of medications and all sorts of things that I won't go into. I was up at 4 a.m., working and that was my peak time to work and I loved it because that really worked for my body and my husband was just like you know you're just crazy but you do you <laughs> you're and doing a great that, job that was, 
that was what was working for me at the time. Um, and it was it was just fine. I just went with my body, and it's it's not at the moment, but it was it was working. And you, know, you just you learn to go with go with the flows and ride the waves of whatever's working at the time. Um, and that was my balance of the this the you know what was what was working. That was yeah, my I'm, point of balance. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up too because it's not only that everyone's balance is so different. It's your what you actually need as balance changes as your life goes on and sometimes even day to day. And, and, and someone like you obviously, like you've just said, like you you understand that as well. So it's really powerful to know that because then you have the freedom and flexibility to go, okay, I need to just take things off my plate today. Or you know what? It's 4 a.m. and I am motivated as all time, like I'm just going to go for it right now. And and the key thing which you said is you felt damn good doing it and that's it. I think if you bring a level of awareness to the things you're doing, if you do something, you're like, oh, that made me feel really shitty or every time I hang out with that person or every time I scroll on Instagram for four hours, like that makes me feel like shit, well, then you take that out of your schedule. But if you're doing things and it's, quote, not what people would expect, so working at 4 a.m., you know, it doesn't really work for everyone, but if that fills you up, great, that forms a part of your balance right now. And maybe in 10 years you'll look back and be like, oh, my God, what was that version of Lisa doing at 4 o'clock in the morning? She was wild as all time. But, you know, that's that worked for you at, at that moment in your life. And so honouring, you know, honouring where our bodies yeah. go and what, what it needs and as it changes I think is so important. And if, if I guess your journey and your story can say anything, I think it's that and it's a beautiful um, imprint to leave on the world. So I, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because, Balance is so different for everybody and, and I just love hearing how it plays and, and, and has an important role in people. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you've been thinking of starting a podcast or already have one, then this quick message is for you. I know how scary and lost it can feel navigating the podcast space, which is why She Podcast Live is the place to be and something I wish I had known about earlier in my journey. This event is the world's largest gathering of female podcasters where you can expect to learn from editors, social media marketers, authors, podcast hosts, and more during a four-day event from October 11 to 14 in Washington, D.C., Among all of the goodness, a personal standout for me is that they will have an entire track dedicated to self-care. Hit the link in the show notes if you're ready to take your podcasting game to the next level and you can use the code TBT for $50 off your ticket. If you're interested but not local to DC, you can stay tuned for virtual tickets by subscribing on the website. Now let's get back to the episode. Speaking, I suppose, of your day-to-day life. Um, what, what kind of is a, do you have like a typical morning routine? Some people I interview have like a very set routine. Some people go with the flow. Some people have a night routine. So I'm really curious to know, I guess, what's your day-to-day look like, generally speaking? My day-to-day, so my mornings are when I have my energy with my chronic fatigue. Mornings mm-hmm. are great. Afternoons are not. So <laughs> mornings I'm, I'm up and I have a, 
not not really strict, but I I try to get things like my my water and medications and all all of those sorts of must must haves in non negotiables. Non negotiables, yeah. Non negotiables, um, and yeah, my my coffee and things like that. I try and have try and have a gym session, um, and then I get to work. So work emails might have some some calls or Zoom Zoom. Te- zoom sessions things like that if i have to go out for a meeting i i work from home often which is great my office is is at home but sometimes i'll have to go out for a meeting or a presentation but um yeah usually i get to get to stay home and work which is just brilliant because my yeah makes it easy oh no no better reason no better reason (laughs) um and then Afternoons and evenings, my by the time my husband comes home, I, I really like to just hang out with him because it's yeah, getting to getting to just spend time with him and debrief and yeah, beautiful. That's, that's our time. Yeah, that's nice. That's really nice. And I remember reading um, that gratitude is obviously something that's quite important to you. How does that feature in your day to day life? Is that more of a situational thing where you just you know, always in the moment feeling grateful? Or is it something you dedicate specific time for? Noting there's obviously no right and wrong way to do it. Everybody tailors it yeah, to themselves. a bit of both. I know every everybody with a disability is is different. Some people are like, why should grateful? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I own it. <laughs> if, I'm, I'm not supposed to be here, so I am bloody grateful for every day. But there are, there are certainly days where you're just like, you know what? Today's a bit shit. I'm not gonna be. <laughs> I'm not gonna be quite so grateful. But when um, I think you you certainly have a new lens to look through and a new perspective when when you aren't you you're just not supposed to be. You're not supposed to be in the room. You're not supposed to be here, and you can't help but be be grateful for. For what, for what you have, and I, I don't mean to say it's this, you know, grand new new perspective that I suddenly developed in 2005. But um, growing up, um, you know, dad, mum, and dad sort of always always taught us to be to be grateful for for little things like that. And beautiful. Um, so we we had a you know a fairly a fairly modest upbringing and those those sorts of things. So it didn't sort of come as an epiphany in 2005. But yeah, um, it is. Um, I mean, hap- I was only talking to a, a girlfriend coming on the weekend and said to her that. I'd been doing a lot of a lot of travelling and mentioned that I was just so exhausted from all the travelling and I was just happiest on the couch in my pyjamas with a takeaway coffee with my dog and my husband. That to me was the epitome of happiness, <laughs> all of this fancy travelling with champagne and that to me didn't <laughs> – didn't really flame my boat. I just wanted to be doesn't cut home. the mustard anymore. <laughs> didn't cut the mustard. The um, it was I loved it. It was great fun. But um, yeah, when when it comes to really 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 simple things, um, sometimes just the the being being home with my husband and my dog on my couch. 
<laughs> yeah, it's That's it's um, relishing relishing those small moments. I, I really think um, that the ability to do that and to appreciate those small moments is is what gratitude is all about. It, it's not it's not to say you know don't be grateful for the big things, but I think oh, yeah. if you can just appreciate what you've got already, then you know there's just an abundance of, of, of things in the world and. And, and I think that's what it's all about because those small moments are really what makes up the 90% of our lives. Like the peaks, don't get me wrong, they come, I'm sure, when you launched your book, incredible, like that would have been oh. such an incredible moment for you and, you know, but it's all yeah. about the day-to-day things that the, make the up the majority. The irony or whatever you want to call it, I'd had some massive things happen in the last six months but none of them yeah, it was the the really really small things that really really touched my heart. The 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 really big shiny things that were really nice. Don't get me wrong, and I'm incredibly grateful for them too. But um, yeah, just the this the simple joys is what really lights me up. It's it's the moments that's lying in cardiac ICU and intensive care after my heart surgery and my husband putting my engagement ring back on my my finger <laughs> or watching the fireworks on New Year's Eve from from the hospital ward with my husband and or my my fiance at the time and those those sorts of little things mean mean more to me than any big fancy anything. <laughs> Sounds yeah, so, yeah. sounds a bit silly. No, but no, that's the sort of no. stuff that, that really means means more to me than than anything. Yeah, no, I don't think that sounds silly at all. I think um, obviously there's a place for those big moments, and you should be so proud of the things you've achieved. But at the end of the day, they're fleeting; they come and go. But at the end of the day, like your husband's a part of your life and, and who you are, and it's it's a big value, you know, love in your life from from what I'm hearing from you. And so, of course, that's going to be the, the the more constant thing, you know, the thing that actually, um, what do they call it, moves the dial in your life. That's the thing that yeah. forms a part of your life. So I, I'm, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Before I do let you go, I wanted to ask, get into a little bit more about, I suppose, your business. Um, sure. And as we, I guess, briefly touched on before, um, as someone who also runs a business, I have an e-commerce business, um, it, it's – not always clear, or I suppose the, like we were saying, it's a bit hard sometimes to know where to start if diversity is the path you want to take in the business, how to actually do that in an authentic way. So I just wanted to start and ask, what are your thoughts on the condition of the current level of diversity in the retail and media space? It's congratulations on how far they've come. There's still a long way to go though. So there's, yeah, they they definitely have have made progress, but geez, there's a long way to go. Um, I yeah, I, I certainly don't want to say they've done nothing, but mm. we we do need to acknowledge that there's so much more that, that can be done. Um, more or some minorities have a comfort than others, which is which is fantastic. But there are are some. Something there that could be a lot more, a lot more work done on, and different different countries, for example, more work needs to be done as well. Mm. So I'm only speaking yeah. from an Australian point of view. You're yeah, of course. Um, what's happening over, over your way as well? Mm. And so, what would like an ideal 
diversity landscape in media look like to you? What would you like to see in the next 10, 5, 20 years' time? A short answer would be a media that reflects the society it serves. So, for example, Mm. roughly one in five Australians have a disability, if we're just going to talk about disability. So why aren't one in five talent on television why don't one in five have a disability? Or mm. we can talk about people of colour or people who are Muslim or all of the sorts of minorities, um, people who are homosexual or pick your minority, but a media that reflects the society it serves and that's something that Media Diversity Australia, an organisation that I'm working with, are trying to do at the moment. Yeah, no, I I think that's a very succinct way of putting it. You know, if you're looking at the population in Australia, that should be a one-for-one represented in the media. Um, And I agree. I think the the tides are changing slightly, especially when it comes to things like race and gender. I think that's definitely come a lot higher on the the ranks, I suppose, of of what businesses are looking at. But I think we definitely have a long way to go. And and so it's great to hear that uh, businesses like yours are, are one's business owners can turn to for that leading authority or a bit of guidance in the space. And so tell us what's your business name and where can people find it? So I can pop some links below if anyone listening. Um, I know we've got a couple of business owners, small business owners, and just people who work with um, big companies as well listening. So I'll definitely pop links to all of that below. Excellent. Well, uh, it's not my business, but the resource for um, language, a language guide which a team put together um, at Media Diversity Australia is the Disability Reporting Handbook. So mediadiversityaustralia.org under the resources mm-hmm. link, there's um, a language guide there which was put together by a team of working journalists and people with disabilities over three years. Perfect. Um, and that's not just for journalists but for people in marketing comms and all sorts of um, different business and industries who perhaps want a bit of um, guidance with language about what to say and not to say and, and things like that mm-hmm. across yeah across all sorts of business and industries. But my specific um, Instagram and things like that is lisacox.co, L-I-S-A-C-O-X.co, and that's also my website. Um, and you can find me there and reach out and ask specific questions around um any particular issues you might have if you want me to perhaps read over something or consult consult work and, and things like that. So people have done that before as well. Beautiful. Well, I will absolutely pop links to all of that. I just want to thank you so much for your time. I know it's we're over into the afternoon time slot, so I'm very, very grateful for That's the okay. energy. <laughs> I'm grateful for the energy, the love and the authenticity that you've brought to the, the podcast today. Um, I'm really grateful to have had a chat, sit down and get to know you, and I'm really excited to see your work, you know, as, as it continues on and flourishes. So a big, big thank you from me. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>